So, um, in case you weren't here last week, we are in the second week of a series here at the river that we are calling Tomorrow People. And this is a series in which we're talking about how important it is, how critical it is, um, not just, just to live for today, as so much of our culture does, but to live in the light of eternity. This, this reality that the person and the work of Jesus is real, that the kingdom he died to bring is real, and that eternity is already in session, and the most important decision that you need to make is whether you want to enter into it or not. So right off the top, I want to talk about uh, the main concept um, that I'm going to talk about this morning, and it's it centers on this word, the word invested, invested. Just put that word up this morning. Now, um, usually when we use a word like this, we think about it in relation to money, right? Like I'm invested in the stock market or, or I'm invested in this business or I'm invested in this house that I own. Now, of course, we might also use it to describe something um, that were significantly committed to, like I'm invested in this family, or I'm invested in the success of this company, or I'm invested in this school or, or this church. But, but when we use the word invested, what we usually mean is that we've got some chips in the game. You know what I mean? Like we're, we're expecting a certain outcome. We're kind of betting on something. And to be truth, truthful, we're hoping that outcome will be positive, Right? What's more, when I say I'm invested, I'm saying that I believe whatever I'm invested in has value in one way or another that I'm hoping that one day it'll pay off, right? That I'll be able to capitalize on that value. I'm invested in the stock market um, or my RSPs, so to speak, so that one day when I'm old and gray, I'll have the means to take care of myself. You know, I'm invested in my family because I'm hoping... It will yield in the long term a return of, of love and, and, and a return of being cared for in the future. I, I'm invested in this school because I'm hoping that my children will one day be nuclear physicists and not McDonald employees, right? But now, um, here's an important principle regarding investing. investing. If I didn't believe in the thing that I was invested, that if I didn't believe the thing I was investing in had value, I wouldn't invest in it, would I? Now, from time to time, and this may happen to you, I get phone calls or emails uh, from people who apparently have stumbled onto an incredible fortune in an African country and need some help to unlock it, right? Or I'm given this opportunity to buy an incredible timeshare property. They call me up and they tell me that I'm unique and special amongst all the people in the world. This one-time offer is just for me. I still have a broker uh, that calls me up from time to time from Vancouver with some, some startup stock that he wants me to buy. But to these incredible investment opportunities, I say no. Why? Because I don't believe they will pay off. We don't invest in things that we don't think are real or that won't yield a return of some sort. So now, this brings me to the question that I want to ask you this morning, and the question is this, are you or are you not invested in eternity? 
Are you or are you not invested in the kingdom that Jesus came to bring near? This future life that Jesus has made available now. Now, with with that question in mind, I want to read a pair of parables that Jesus tells in Matthew chapter 13, back to back. Now, they're very short parables, and and it's, it's quite possible just to sort of read over them and not think too much about them, but they're actually quite profound. And I want to do some reflecting on them this morning. These are the parables. This is the teaching of Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all that he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Now, in these parables, Jesus is trying to help us understand the nature of reality, the way way things actually are. And and listen, let me just say this. One of the most important decisions that you can make in life is to make Jesus your teacher. To accept the fact that Jesus was the smartest person that ever lived because, because of who he was. He knew things about this world, knows things about this world that no one else does. And what he said is this. And listen carefully. If you truly understand what the kingdom of God is, If you truly understand what is being offered to you in being able to enter the kingdom of God, you would stop at nothing to invest in it. I mean, notice the language in the parables. Jesus doesn't say, well, there was this man and there was this investment opportunity, so weighing his options, he decided to take a portion of his RSP and invest in it. He hoped that the investment would yield something good. In the case of the merchant, he doesn't say, well, there was this merchant that stumbled across something that he thought was fairly valuable, and so he decided to make a buy. No, in in both cases, whether it's the man or the merchant, Jesus says they sold what? They sold everything in order to possess this one thing. What's more, they, they didn't do it fearfully, thinking, oh boy, I hope this doesn't go south. They didn't do it reluctantly or in secret, thinking, I sure hope my wife never finds out about this. No, they did it joyfully, right? It's like they were saying to themselves, I I can't believe it. I'm the luckiest guy in the world. I've just won the lottery. I've just made the investment of a lifetime. I would be the dumbest person in the world if I didn't take advantage of this opportunity. That's what Jesus is trying to convey Old story, um, a man walks into an antique shop one day, and mostly it's just cluttered with worthless stuff. But on the floor, he notices what looks like a Chinese vase. And, And on closer inspection, it turns out to be a priceless vase from the Ming Dynasty. And the owner clearly has no idea what this is worth, so this guy decides to get a little stealthy, right? So he says, you know, you've got a beautiful cat there. I, I don't know why it is, but I am just so attracted to your cat. In fact, I would give you $1,000 for that cat. And the owner goes, wow, I mean, it's the family pet, but I mean, 1000 bucks, I, I can't turn that down. And the guy says, okay, great, we got a deal. He says, oh, by the way, me, I'm going to need something to feed the cat out of, so could you just throw in that, you know, that dish that he's drinking the milk out of? 
And the owner of the shop says, well, I couldn't possibly do that. That's a priceless vase from the Ming Dynasty. But ever since I've been feeding my cat out of it, I've sold 17 cats. You see, we assign value in different ways. And what Jesus is saying in these series of parables is that if you truly understand what the kingdom is, it's like finding a treasure of unspeakable value. It's like finding a Ming Dynasty vase in an antique shop. So, of course, this begs the question, what's so valuable about the kingdom that Jesus came to bring? And maybe even a more basic question, if you're fairly new to this whole church thing, what exactly is the kingdom of God? Well, you need to know that when Jesus was here, Jesus taught that there is a domain called the kingdom of God. It is the range of God's effective will. It is wherever God's will is done. It's this sphere in which everything that happens meets with God's approval and delight. Everything is precisely as God wants it to be, where the greatest humble themselves like little children. There's no big shots, no arrogant egos. No one ever has an anxious thought. Every encounter between people causes them to walk away with more joy than they had before they met. As the Apostle Paul says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, joy in the power of the Holy Spirit. Watching over this realm is the greatest servant and most joyful caretaker, rather, who is our magnificent God, the Father of Jesus, who is endlessly celebrated for his infinite self-giving love. This says Jesus, is the kingdom of God, and it exists right now. People you know and love who trusted in God and have died are now living in this reality right now. Then there is the the kingdom of heaven, or sorry, the kingdom of earth, rather. How's that going? Well, not so good these days. Violence, betrayal, thousands of babies dying daily due to malnutrition, women being sexually abused and marginalized and objectified by men, people killing each other in the name of religion, God's creation getting polluted, vows of fidelity being broken, racial injustice constantly smoldering and often exploding, culture wars, the politicalization of everything. There is this kingdom, this this earthy kingdom, and in this kingdom, things are not going so well. Because within this kingdom are all these individuals whose individual kingdoms are competing for supremacy. But Jesus has a plan. And this is the plan that he talked about more than anything else when he was here. This is the gospel, friends. In his most famous prayer, he prayed this, Our Father, who who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as as it is in heaven. In other words, here's my plan. I'm going to bring this realm, the realm of God, the realm of the Father, down here. Like a a lot of Christians, I grew up praying the prayer, beam me up, Scotty, right, from the old Star Trek. I thought... That's what we were supposed to ask God to do, to to, to rescue us out of this messed up earth and to get us to heaven. 
But Jesus didn't teach us to, to pray that kind of prayer. He didn't teach us to pray this prayer, get me out of here so I can go up there. No, what Jesus taught us to pray is make up there come down here. Make things run down here the way things are already running in your kingdom, Lord. Jesus told us to ask God to bring heaven, your kingdom, your will, down here to my office, my neighborhood, my small group, my family, my country, starting with my life, my body, and my own little kingdom. You see, that's what it means to decide to follow Jesus. It's to say, my kingdom is going to get smaller, and Jesus' kingdom is going to grow in my life. My kingdom is going to recede. My will is going to recede. God's will is going to be done in my life. Now, you may wonder, if, if the kingdom has come in Jesus, why is the earth still such a mess? Why are, there pain, why are pain and suffering still with us? And the answer is, which took the early church decades to come to grips with, is that other kingdoms still remain. Other wills that are opposed to God's will are still present. And thank God, because one of those stubborn wills is my will. One day, all that opposition will end, but it endures now because, listen now, because God has chosen to act not with coercive power, but with suffering love. God has sovereignly chosen not to oppose earthly kingdoms, including your kingdom and my kingdom, with his power. He has chosen to try to invite us into his kingdom, into this way of life that Jesus came to show us through suffering love. That's what the cross is all about. On the cross, God is saying in Jesus, I love you this much. This is what it means to be in a relationship with me. I'll love you with this level of self-giving, self-receiving love. It's an amazing thing. When Jesus was born, listen, Roman, Rome had a gospel. I don't know if you know this or not. There's an old Roman inscription that read, the birthday of the God, referring to Caesar Augustus, was the beginning for the world of the glad tidings, that means good news, that have come to men through him. The gospel of Jesus is a claim that Rome's good news, a good news purchased by violence and fear, is fake news. No Mere human kingdom can redeem and transform the earth. Why? Because we are sinful. Because our hearts tend to be full of ourselves and our own agenda. Only, only King Jesus can do that. And his ultimate success is certain. How do we know that? Because of the resurrection. Right? He's already conquered death, our greatest enemy. He invites you now, as a gracious gift, to become an agent of the kingdom, to experience God's reign in your own life, in your own body, and to become a conduit of God's power, joy, and love to a bruised and bleeding humanity all around you. That's the good news of the gospel. So now maybe... You're beginning to understand the gravity of what Jesus taught about the kingdom. It's the biggest thing going, friends. 
I mean, it's bigger than all the mundane things that you have to do day to day. I mean, this is the future. So this is why, and this is where this all comes full circle now, this is why tomorrow people, I mean, people who are living in the light of eternity, this is why they invest in the kingdom. Now let's get more practical, and let's talk about three areas of your life. Let's talk about your time and your talents and your treasures. And I know I've used this language before at the river, but it's just a convenient way to kind of drill down and talk about these areas of your life, how to actually be a tomorrow person. So let's start by talking about your time. Uh, yesterday, a group of us from the river spent a day at Kelly Lehman's farm. Um, for those of you who don't know, um, she lost her husband uh, this spring, and they have a farm east of town. And, and obviously, if you've ever worked on a farm, you know there's a lot, lot to, to running a farm. They have multiple properties. And so they needed help. Now, you have to ask yourself, why would anybody um, who's already worked hard all week decide that they're going to go out um, drive a half an hour out there on, on a Saturday and help a down-and-out woman who's lost her husband. I mean, don't they have better things to do, right? And especially when they come home the next day, and I can tell you this from personal experience, they, they need Advil in a major way, okay? Why would anybody do that? And then there were some River volunteers who last Monday... Um, went to the food bank and served from 6 to 8. I mean, why would you take a perfectly good Monday night where you can go out and do anything you want to do? You could go out and see a movie, you could go out and visit some friends, but instead you would choose to actually serve food to people who are underprivileged in this area in Edmonton. Why would you do that? On Friday, there was a whole group of youth leaders here loving on a group of young people. Why would you take a perfectly good Friday night where you could be out partying and having fun with your friends and, and instead you would choose to do something like that? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because of what Jesus taught. And what he taught is that when we help people in this kind of way, when we invest in people, when we love people, the kingdom of God comes a little bit. It's through actions like this that the kingdom of God, this realm, is brought down here in practical ways. It's investing in eternity. Listen to these words from the Apostle James. He writes this, Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Right? In other words, listen, James is telling us this is the smart thing to do. Acting in this way, loving people in this way, giving in this way, serving this way. People who choose this are smart people. They're not just wasting their time. No, they're sowing something. They're, they're, they're investing in something. They're, they're, in fact, investing in the commodity that is most precious to God, people. And God says, God says, because of your investment, just like any farmer who plants a crop, there will be a harvest. There will be a payoff. Now, it's, it's important for me to say this. All work, all work is God's work. I, I'm not saying that it's, it's only church work or community work or food bank work. Um, that, that's kingdom work. There's no dichotomy between our everyday work and the work of the kingdom, okay? You need to understand that. 
I mean, lawyering, plumbing, accounting, nursing, teaching. We can all do these kinds of activities in a way in which we're bringing the kingdom of God. We can do them with integrity. We can do them with diligence. We can do them with love. We can do them with character. And all those things bring the kingdom in significant ways. But here's the truth about us. We waste so much time on stupid things, don't we? We spend so much of this precious commodity that as God has given us between now and when we enter into the kingdom and we use it and we spend it frivolously sometimes on ourselves. And God says, that's not smart. That's not good investing. Now listen, there's nothing wrong with taking some time out for yourself and you need to do some self-care and there's nothing wrong with having some fun once in a while. But if, if the balance of your life is tilted in the direction of, hey, it's really all about me, then you've got to ask yourself, where are you really investing? What are you really investing in? What kind of harvest are you hoping you'll have in the end? Smart people... Tomorrow people, they take their time and they invest in the kingdom. All right, another area of your life, your, your talents, your talents. Um, I'm always amazed, I don't know if you are, at how talented people are. And oftentimes, you don't see it right away on the surface, right? And it's, it sort of emerges like you're with them in some capacity and, and, and all of a sudden you're like, you, you, really, you do this? That's so cool. I was out in the shoe shop um, recently uh, with my friend Pete and he just he took up painting a couple years back and, and I, at first I was I was worried because I thought I'm gonna have to hang up whatever goofy art that he produces in his house in my house right but as it turns out he's quite good in fact he hasn't even given me a painting yet bum but he took some time out to share some technique with me and um, don't worry I'm not taking a painting I'm a horrible artist okay but it was pretty cool. And I thought, wow, you know, you're talented. Now, the Bible says that we, we all have talents, right? Every single one of us. Now, are, are some people more talented than others? Yes, it's true. And um, it's always a little distressing to children, right, who grow up in homes where they're told that they're this most amazing, talented person in the world. And then they, they go to a talent contest or they go to school and they find out, there's somebody else who's just a little bit more talented than me, right? But the bottom line is we, we all have talents, right? Um, there's a book out called Strength Finders. And I like this book because it, it, it really challenges you to think about what kind of strengths you have. And, and uh, one strength is being an activator. You're a person that knows how to motivate others. Another strength is commander. You know how to exercise leadership. Another is empathizer. You know how to come alongside people. You bleed for people in a beautiful way. Um, arranger, you know how to organize people. Analyzer, you're good at solving problems. Communication, you're good at communicating various ideas in an effective way. And even as I think about those things, I, and I think about you guys and some of the talents you have, we have every one of these uh, kinds of strengths in our congregation for which I'm tremendously grateful. And there's a ton more. There's a ton more. The Bible also has a list of strengths, or what might be called spiritual gifts. Listen to these words from Romans chapter 12, verse 6. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. 
If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy according to your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it's to lead, then do it diligently. If it's to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Notice how the Apostle Paul is saying, now, if you got it, use it, right? If you can lead, then lead. Tell me, what's your talent? And are you taking that talent that God has given you and are you investing it in the kingdom of God? Are are you using your talents to bring God's kingdom into all sorts of different areas of your life and the lives of other people? See, the Bible even has some strong words for folks who don't do this who take their talents and bury them. There's a parable that Jesus tells, and he has some harsh words for people who who don't use their talents in appropriate ways, who take the assets that God has given people to use to build the kingdom, to bring the kingdom, to bring up there, down here, but who don't use them in that capacity. In fact, Jesus says, when he's here, he says, let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, when they see your talents, when they see your gifts, they will give glory to God in heaven. Two years back, LeBron James, one of the greatest basketball players ever, had a decision to make. He was either going to stay in Cleveland, his hometown, or play basketball for the Miami Heat. And after a lot of speculation, he came on television and said, I'm taking my talent to Miami, right? Now, something similar happened to the Toronto Raptors this year uh, in the offseason with Kawhi. He took his talents to the Clippers, for which he will pay dearly. Now, what I want to say to you this morning, and and I'm just saying this because this may be a way for you to remember it, where are you taking your talents these days? I mean, you're walking around every day, you're interacting every day with different people. Where are you taking your talents, right? I mean, this morning we installed our executive elders And they're taking their talents and they're saying, you know what, I'm going to use them to bless this church, to lead this church. I'm going to roll up my sleeves, I'm going to dive in, and I'm going to get involved in the the challenge of, of, of leading this church in the best way possible. And God bless them for that. And we had somebody this last week who's really talented in hospitality and, and, and food preparation. And, and they're saying, you know what? I want to take my talents and I want to help out with Christmas with style. I'm willing to, to lead the whole food portion of this ministry, which is no small thing, right? Where are you taking your talents, right, these days? You see, tomorrow people, tomorrow people who live in the light of eternity I mean, they take their talents and they invest them. They invest them in the kingdom. Final area of your life that I want you to think about this morning, and all of this is going to lead us to the communion table. Treasures. Treasures. Now, imagine this morning by some nefarious means, I was able to get one of your bank statements and to publish it up here on the big screen behind me this morning, right? And uh, everyone could see where you've been spending money, let's say for the last six months. Now, some of you would be okay with it. I mean, we probably see a few things that we might be a little surprised at, like you spent that much at Tim Hortons every week, right? But for the most part, we'd see 
that you are giving regularly to the work of God in the world, that you are sharing some of your resources um, that God has given you with the less fortunate. And, um, and for the most part, you're paying your bills and you're saving for the future. Right? But the others of you, even as you project that out in your mind, you're thinking, I'd be horrified. Because here's the truth. We find out some things about you that would be a little disconcerting, right? And maybe even a little embarrassing for you. For some of you, we'd see, you know, how far you're under in the debt department. For others of you, we'd see that, you know, if the truth be told, no matter what you've said out loud, you really haven't given that much to the work of God in the world, at least not consistently. I mean, we, we, we detect a pattern in which... Um, Perhaps you, you, you're living a little bit too much for today and not enough in the light of eternity in terms of how you're saving. Now listen, I am not saying this this morning because I know this is an area that a lot of folks struggle in. I'm not saying these things to shame you, okay? The, the reason I'm sharing this with you is because it's one of the most important places in your life to be diligent because it has such a huge impact on, on, on the joy that you can experience today and in the future. And let me just say, I, I don't have time to go into how to steward um, this morning. That's another message. But if, let me just say this. If this is an area in which you struggle, get help, okay? Get help because there's nothing worse than feeling like you are, are you know, in bondage to credit card companies and, and that when it comes to being able to give that you, you know, that the, the cupboard is bare, so to speak. This is not an area in which you shouldn't exercise diligence. And, and what I do want to say to you this morning is that tomorrow people, tomorrow people, they invest their treasures in God's kingdom. Listen to these words from 1 Corinthians 9. And, and here's that sowing and reaping language again. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then these words, and this is the promise that goes with learning to live in, in the right way in this area of your life. Now, he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food, he's talking about God here, and also supplies and increases your store of seed will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. Will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched Listen to this, in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion and through us your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You see what the Apostle Paul is saying? He's saying it's, it's the smart thing to do. It's the smart play. I mean, especially in light of God's promises, God is saying if you, if you start to handle the resources that I am giving, that I'm blessing you with in a proper way, I'm going to bless you with more. Now, this is not a quid pro quo, although that's kind of a scary uh, language to use this week. Um, but it, it, what God is saying is that, is that if you're responsible in this area, there, there's, a, there's a way in which your sowing will result in reaping, okay? In which what you sow will result in a harvest. And, and, and listen to what he says. He's not saying Mercedes Benz, okay? He's saying a harvest of what? Of righteousness, Okay? 
In other words, a harvest of being right with other people, of being right with your family, of being right for the future, right? A feeling like having this feeling when it comes to this area of your life, you're saying, God, I I got this, right? I feel good about this area of my life. I'm becoming year by year a more generous, cheerful giver. Tomorrow people, tomorrow people understand this kind of thing. And so they invest their treasures in the kingdom of God. Final thing, how do we know that all this investing will pay off? What's the guarantee? Well, the answer is Jesus, right? Listen to Romans 8, verse 32, which says, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? See, why do we invest in the kingdom? You know, at the end of the day, because God has invested so much in us, all right? Before we could ever respond to God's love, God, in his great love, sent his one and only son to die on a Roman cross so that we could have life. He invested in us, and that's what this meal this morning is all about. This is reminding ourselves of the, of the, the true nature and gravity of what God has invested in us in Jesus. He's invested not just, you know, not just a, a little, he's invested everything his body and his blood, his life in us. But it, it doesn't stop at this meal. It doesn't stop at just receiving this and saying, thank you for investing so much in me, God. No, it's understanding that, that, that Jesus did this. God did this in Jesus so that we would invest in return. So that we would invest in the way of life that Jesus brought near. Think about that. We take this bread, this juice, we Put it into ourselves. God can't come any nearer than that. Jesus can't express that nearness any better, right, than saying, I want to be that close to you. I want to be inside you. And then he asks us to respond by living this life in which we're a tomorrow person, a person living in the light of eternity. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for what you're speaking into our lives this morning, uh, the truth. And Lord, um, help us now as we understand these things to become tomorrow people in a significant way to, to say, you know what, I want to live my life by investing in the most important thing going and the kingdom of God. And we thank you for this most tangible experience that we can have, this holy experience in which we can feel your nearness and remember again how much you invested in us, how much you love us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.